And it's the stuffing that creates the suffering. And I, I told myself, get over it. And then I just poured alcohol on it. And this increased my anxiety, my depression. I was very confused. I didn't know what was, uh, this is where alcohol really started to take a hold on me. Hello, and welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast. My name is Tina Conroy. I am so grateful you are here. As a professional intuitive medium, Reiki master, and yoga teacher, my intention is to explore intuition so you can gain clarity, confidence, and trust in your inner wisdom. I honor your spiritual growth. Thank you for listening. Today on the podcast is my pleasure to have this conversation with Heather Lowe better known on Instagram and all her followers as Ditch the Drink. I met Heather through Instagram and I am now part of her insider community and I couldn't be more happier. Heather really is so down to earth and I know you'll love this conversation. I want to read a little bit about what she shares about herself. She says her drinking had always been an accepted and normal part of her life. Her relationship with alcohol started to change when she was faced with heartbreaking grief, working mom, overwhelm, and people-pleasing. Suddenly, in midlife, alcohol was no longer social and became a private medicine that she administered every night, on the couch, alone. Her tolerance increased, and she continually broke promises to her family and herself by drinking more than she planned. She woke up every day in a panic. In an effort to try to help herself, she talked to a therapist and was prescribed an anti-anxiety medication. The meds combined with drinking resulted in her becoming a walking blackout on more than one embarrassing occasion. Her drinking was getting out of control, and she couldn't stop it. This would have been a good time to quit, but now, she said, her brain had started to depend on alcohol, and she could not feel good without it. The drink became both the cure and the poison. The drink started to take over her. The drink did not take or feel good, but it did temporarily satisfy her craving. She was desperate for some relief for being herself. She now coaches many, many women and has an amazing community. I know you will love this conversation as much as I loved speaking with Heather. Welcome, Heather, to the Intuitive Woman Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here today. Oh, thanks for the warm welcome. I am thrilled to be here. So excited to finally meet. I'm doing air quotes on Zoom. I've been following you for quite a while on Instagram and loving your content. And I just would love to share you with my listeners. So as I like to begin, a lot of the interview programming is bring you bring us back to when you were a little girl and how you were brought up, if you were brought up religious, spiritual, both or neither. Yeah, interesting. I love it. So I was raised, my mom's family was all Catholic. She went to a Catholic school. Um, so I was raised in my, I was baptized when I was born and was raised sort of Catholic, but my mom and dad divorced when I was two years old and she remarried somebody whose marriage hadn't been annulled. So she was not really allowed back in the Catholic church. Um, however, she was always a very spiritual person herself and my best friend. Um, she was a young mom and we were sort of like the Gilmore girls for most of our life, her and I against the world. And so 
she wanted some sort of like organized religion and teaching for me and my half sister and eventually my little brother. And so we joined a Methodist church, which ironically, my dad's family was part of (laughs) in town. So I also had this um, Methodist upbringing, which was fellowship. And um, so I was confirmed as a Methodist as far as that goes. And then in college, of course, like all good college kids, I questioned everything. And I gave myself the freedom to question everything I had ever learned and wondered what I believed for myself. So um, I came to find out what I do believe and what I don't believe. And that has, you know, fed me through the rest of my life, which definitely has been a spiritual path um, with some religious teachings and educations, but definitely not defined by any sort of religion. Yeah, I get that a lot. And I think that... um no matter how we're kind of brought up, we come back to that, like our inner self, or we have that kind of guidance. And we'll talk a little bit about that along your life and your journey and and where you are today. And even though we may have been brought up in certain different ways, we can take what we like, right. And kind of let the others kind of fall away and then be guided from that, that, that higher place or, you know, whatever we may call like universe or guidance and, and so forth. And am I correct in saying you where you lived in Wisconsin, you, you, you were, yeah. Tell me a little bit yeah, about born, that. Raised, <laughs> born, raised. Girl, Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. The whole bit. My grandpa was literally owned a cheese factory. So I'm just very on brand for Wisconsin. And my parents met in a beer tent. That was very uh, big drinking culture in Wisconsin. So everything was just, if you think Wisconsin, I'm definitely your girl. It's like, you can take the girl out of Wisconsin, but you can't take Wisconsin out of the girl. And that's kind of who I am. And I agree with you because there's things like I love a Catholic funeral. I love the tradition of it. I love that you know what to expect. I love the seriousness of it. I love the smell of incense. I love the stained glass. I go into Catholic churches all over the world and like candles for my grandma, you know, so I really, really love that. Um, And Methodist, I love the, I love the fellowship. Like I said, the fun, I sang in the choir. It was upbeat. It seemed modern at the time. And that was really fun for me. Um, But now a lot of Buddhist teachings, a lot of Buddhist teachings really um, hit home for me. And as a yogi, you know, there's a lot of um, Sanskrit teachings that hit home for me. And as a fan of meditation and all these other things, um, there's many ways to do it. And also when my mom was growing up, she went to girl, like women's weekends away um, in nature, typically like in the mountains or something. And they called it Mountain Morning Star, where they would heal and craft and sing and dance. And who knows, you know, what they did, which, witchy things that they did uh, without being actual witches. And she would come home renewed and refreshed. So a sisterhood and the outdoors, all of those things contribute to my um, spirituality, I would say. I love that. And I think a lot of the listeners, I would say most of the population of listeners are are women that just kind of crave that, right? They crave that sisterhood feeling, that that fellowship feeling. And then, you know, my sister and I, which we were just sharing a little offline, uh, we run Spirit Sisters Retreat and actually called Spirit Sisters. And we are real sisters. And then we have the sisters of the sisterhood who come on our retreats. And we've been holding retreats since 2019. And they've been from Costa Rica to uh, Sedona to upstate New York. And we're always doing two a year. But 
you know, the sisterhood that we've created really is a bond. And it's really not about the yoga. It's not about really anything. It's about being together. And I think that's a, a nice place to really start is that fellowship of community, which I see you do so well. I think what really attracted me to you uh, on Instagram and following you on my sober journey is that that feeling of community that you're that you created and that you continue to create. And also just you know, you get it, you get a feel for people, you know, uh, you know, we're all intuitive, right? But we get a feel for people of being real, and you're real, you know, you, you say it how it is. And, and that's something that I think is so attractive and so, uh, so needed right now. So I know I kind of just jumped here, but I, I love that idea of fellowship and community. So share a little bit with us. I don't think a lot of people know your story. So if you can share about with us, you know, how it all began and, you know, and bring us up to today a little bit. Sure. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you so much for your compliments. That means so much to me. And I love what you're creating too, because what it is, is connection. And I also am trading, creating connection in a ditch the drink journey, which has been the, me ditching alcohol has been the portal to all the lessons I want to learn and the portal to my own relationship with self, which is relationship with the universe. Right. And getting rid of alcohol cleared the path for me to have awareness. And I was only able to start living in flow and not fear when I ditched the drink. So, th so that is my journey. I think that's a, also a common journey for many of my clients and community. And when people meet me in real life, they say just what you've said, which is like, oh my God, you're real. You're just like I thought you would be. But maybe it's the Wisconsin in me, literally that Midwest thing, because I'm like, how could I be any different than exactly how I am? But there is a thing about connection and spirituality and it's being seen. And it, I feel vulnerable like everybody else feels, even though if I put a lot out there or I share a lot, I'm vulnerable too. So it's hard to be seen. It's hard to let ourselves be seen and it's easier to wear a mask. And sometimes that mask is alcohol. And for me, my journey, so my parents met in a beer tent. Um, drinking was just the, the, the normal thing to do in Wisconsin. It was the rite of passage. It, you would, I would go to parties and drink in barns and fields and I loved it at first sip. Um, I thought it was awesome. I liked the taste. Nobody likes to taste beer at first. Well, I definitely did. It was in my blood. I think I loved it. <laughs> and I loved, um, the courage it gave me to talk to boys. I loved the courage it gave me to walk into parties where I maybe was too young and wasn't actually invited and just march myself in with this confidence. Um, I drank all through college. It helped me make friends. Um, I It was my social life. I love to dance. I'm extroverted. I love to laugh. So it just fit along with everything I did. I moved to Chicago from Wisconsin after college, met my husband. We loved partying together. We had a lot of fun. Now, as like young urban professionals, we had a little more money. So we were drinking a little better beer and um, we were not drinking in barns and fields, but we were going to Cubs games and concerts and fancy dinners and professional happy hours and all that good stuff. Then I, when I had my, when I got pregnant, I quit drinking. When I had my firstborn, I had time in the afternoon. I switched from beer to wine and it was the mommy wine culture you know, height of, and in fact, there's like studies that say a little alcohol helps your breast milk come in, all this stuff. So sign me up, you know, it was hard. My husband traveled a lot and his, he was being able to drink um, 
you know, at, at private concerts and in Vegas and doing these, all these awesome work things. And I was home. Then I had a second daughter. So I was working part-time, raising my kids part-time, being home alone without a partner there, which is what we had chosen together. Right. And so also this feeling of like, I couldn't be mad about it. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be the one home, but I was lonely and I was bored and alcohol was there. Like it always had been. And it just continued to escalate. Um, it was all seemingly normal on the outside until I left a job that I had had for 10 years that was wonderful and supportive and women, woman owned, of course, um, for a, for a bigger opportunity. When my youngest went to kindergarten, I would thought I was ready to, um, thrive in my career and put a little more focus on that. So I took a big job with long hours and a long commute and it was a work hard, play hard culture. And it was early mornings and late nights and lots of drinking and drinking felt like part of the job and perfect. Sign me up. It was sales. I got access to leadership in a happy hour that I wouldn't have gotten in the office. I got, um, you know, access to decision makers. And I, as always, I ended, as the jobs that would follow, I was the only woman in an all male sales team over and over again. It was a way for me to fit in. I mean, a good drinker girl from Wisconsin, I can be part of that boys club. So I was proud of it, pat myself on the back for that. Um, but really, I was burning the candle at both ends. And I was exhausted. I was tired. I was missing my family. And then I was hit with three deaths of loved ones in a row. I did three eulogies over three years. And they were two were my friends that were my age and one was my dad. And they were mm -hmm. all unexpected, out of order deaths. And so... That is where my drinking really turned to self-medication. Right. Um, I thought I should get over it, get over it very quickly because I wanted to give really beautiful eulogies and I wanted to really hold it together. I didn't let myself feel until after the services were done. And then after the services were done, it felt like it was too late, right? Like it was already over and it was time to move on. So I stuffed those feelings and it's the stuffing that creates the suffering. And I, I told myself, get over it. And then I just poured alcohol on it. And this increased my anxiety, my depression. I was very confused. I didn't know what was, uh, this is where alcohol really started to take a hold on me, where then I was making promises to um, not drink, but I would stop and get alcohol, right? I would go a couple days and then I'd be right back in the cycle and it all seemingly looked normal on the outside because I was getting up early and making lunches for my kids and succeeding at my job and all this stuff, right? So um, it was very confusing. It was very confusing for everybody, including my husband. Who was he to say there's a problem? I'm doing everything I signed up to do and I'm doing it pretty well, um, but definitely something was wrong. So I went to see a therapist who, who I was told drank too much and she said, no, you don't and put me on anxiety meds. She, she was um, doing a harm, and this is the wrong, she was doing a harm reduction, I think, attempt with me, but this is, she, I don't think she did it in an appropriate way. Because I wasn't driving under the influence, because I wasn't like hitting my kids or doing, doing anything drastic like that, she thought the, the biggest problem was that the kids were noticing. So I should just hide my drinking from them. And I have a big bonus room off my um, primary bedroom, that's like a closet. So she literally said, just drink in that closet. Don't let the kids see you. 
Wow. Okay. Wait, which felt like the wrong <laughs> advice, but I was also thrilled that I could yes, take this medication thank you. for anxiety and keep drinking. And yeah, she like, had a, um, a specific certification with substance use. So I was like, well, she thinks I'm okay. Then I just, I'm definitely okay. Right. Well, I wasn't okay because I was miserable. And I'll tell you this, it's like this old myth that you have to hit a rock bottom in order to quit drinking. And that a rock bottom looks like a lawyer or a diagnosis from a doctor or handcuffs from a policeman or something like that would equal a rock bottom. A rock bottom for me was I was waking up miserable every single day. I was waking up and my first question would be, how bad do I feel? I was going to feel bad no matter what. It was a guarantee that I was going to feel bad. But was it going to be like a low level headache? Was it going to be a mild, dry mouth? Was, or was it going to be like crippling shame and anxiety and no memory of how I got to bed the night before? Even though I was setting the coffee pot and feeding the dog and, you know, like a robot doing all the things. Um, so waking up and just saying, how bad do I feel? And then starting my day like that. I can't imagine it. That is the rock bottom for me. Like, I can't imagine it getting any worse than that. That's definitely bad enough. And so I started to address it. I started to address this issue with alcohol and I really wanted to keep alcohol in my life. Mm-hmm. So I do. We all, I yes, know. Oh, I, like I, say, I, I left claw marks in the bottle. I really didn't want to let it go. I say worst case scenario, die from drinking. Second worst case scenario, get sober. <laughs> like, what a sad choice. I definitely didn't want to do that. So I tried for three years, these on off drinking experiments to try to keep alcohol in my life, to try to prove it was no problem, to prove that if I could quit, I didn't really have to quit. So playing all these games. But in February of 2018, I set a glass of wine down and I never picked it back up again. And I could not be happier about it. Wow. Congratulations. It's amazing. Yeah. And that I'm sitting here nodding on the other end because everything you said is is so much of what I feel. And just even going back to the therapist of saying that, and I know so many people, I was just speaking to someone really close to me and they said, I used to say it over and over. And I went to my therapist and she even said it to her husband and no, 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 you don't have a problem you're okay. You know, because you're doing all the things you're checking all the boxes you're hitting, you know, you're doing it. You're, you're getting up. You're not, you're not driving drunk. You're not hitting your exactly all those things. And then how many more years later you have, it just only gets worse. I mean, I think that's the thing. It usually only gets worse, not better. Right. And then you have horrible thing or something triggers it. You have, you know, listen, we all know. And yeah, it's, you know, this rock bottom is, you know, it was that I mean, we were very similar in the sense that that inner, I knew it for a long time and I would, I would pray and I talk to my angels, you know, and I'm here, I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm intuitive. I teach this. I know this. I, and I, and I kept uh, ignoring, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore it. I can yeah. do it. I can figure it out. And I would play all these games, you know, okay. I'm only going to drink. Um, Okay. I'm only going to drink Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but not on Sunday. And then I'm going to do dry January, but I never could really do a dry January. And then I will, um, I'm only going to have seven drinks a week. And then I'm only going to, I mean, it was like, it was craziness. And I was making myself crazy until I said, I, let's just not try the moderation. Let's see how that goes. Right. And, um, I mean, I'm, 
newer in my journey. I'll I'll hit six months um, when this airs. I'll be very close to yay six months. My my little six months, but it's a lot. You right. know, it's like every day is yeah. a day. So yeah. So so going back to that day when you had that glass mm-hmm. of wine. So what what was your were you white wine red wine? What was your drink of choice? Red wine, but I'm not picky. I mean, I I <laughs> love to start with a little glass of white and then move on to a deep dark dry red. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was unemployed at the time. So all these jobs that I had, I was typically good. I was, I was sometimes the top salesperson and all that, but it was never in alignment with me. So just like you're saying, like this alcohol thing also was never in alignment with the rest of you. And so that's really what I work with women is to get in alignment with their highest self, which is the same thing you do. Right. And for me, the portal is ditching the drink because you ditch the drink. You start to learn a lot about yourself. You start to learn like, like it's an unpopular opinion because some people say you need to know your why I'm like, you really don't need to know your why when you get started, because just stop drinking and you'll see very quickly what you were using it for, what you were avoiding, what you're afraid of, what you were distracting yourself with, whatever you were pouring alcohol on, what you don't want to feel it, it becomes very clear, very quick. But for me, and for probably many of your listeners, being not that bad kept me from addressing it for far too long. Because being not that bad, that is not your life's goal, right? Your life's goal is to be amazing, awesome, brilliant, shine as bright as you possibly can. And dulling yourself and dumbing yourself down even just a little bit, even an amount that the entire world would define as normal, is not good enough for you. So that's why letting go of alcohol is the best thing ever. And all that moderation stuff you're talking about, that is just a different sort of cage. And maybe you can do it. You probably did it for a while. I did. There were promises that I made and kept, and there were promises that I made and broke, kind of depended on the day, right? So right. sometimes I would do 30 days. I did five months one time, and then I accidentally had a taste of tequila, and it threw me right back into my cycle. Uh, not immediately, but eventually, right? So alcohol is alcohol. If you are starting to feel like it has a bigger hold on you, there's nothing wrong with you that's alcohol. That's alcohol doing its job. It's an addictive substance and it's definitely not sold that way. It's sold as a break, a relaxation, a luxurious thing to do, a fun time. And we all want those things. So we think, sure, we'll pour this glass of wine and then we'll have it too. That advertising is a lie. What it actually is, is an addictive substance. So I'm not here to like morally judge people for consuming it or not, but you should have, there can be some informed consent about what it is. And then your body is reacting the way your body's supposed to react when it, when a, when a toxic substance comes in. So that's why you're feeling a hangover, right? That's why your anxiety is spiking and you're waking up at 3am in a panic and you're sweaty and you're unsure. And it, it starts to mess with your mental health, but it starts to mess with mess with your spiritual health because how, because you stop looking at yourself. You close your eyes to it because alcohol slows your system. So it literally dumbs you down, right? It slows your thinking. It slows your judgment and it, it affects your intuition, literally. So you are not clicking on all cylinders. You are not at one with your universe when you're not able to notice and pay attention and you're dumbing yourself down. So um, if you want, if you are on a spiritual path and you want a stronger 
sense of spiritual self and you drink alcohol, I would say the number one thing you could do is practice ditching the drink and see how that might align you closer with your highest self. Yeah. I love that. And you know, what's really, as I'm listening to you and, and again, everything you're hitting home is, you know, it's, it's also this, this vulnerability. So for me, you know, even now I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, you know, it's like coming out of the closet. I came out of the closet before and that was like I'm a medium and you know that was hard right because it's like oh and you know it's very hard to come out of this I recall the spiritual closet and then now it's it's interesting because there's a judgment right so I'm like wait a minute okay now people are going to be like but you're you know you're a spiritual person and you're intuitive and you teach about intuition and you're a medium but like you were drinking like how much were you drinking i hate that question by the way how mm-hmm. much were you drinking and i said um like i i used to like think like okay well how much was i drinking like um do i really say like a bottle like uh, and then i'm just like okay now my new word is i was drinking too much for me because yeah. for me and that was always it it was always this alignment word every year i make yeah. a new what was my new year for what was my word for the year alignment authenticity, balance. Hello. This year around, you know what it was? Freedom. And Mm. I love it because that's how I feel. I'm free. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even the vulnerability piece and the judgment piece, and it's like, okay, I'm doing all the things and I'm doing the readings and I'm doing the work. And, but, you know, and for me, I was just falling into that slow trap of like, I help people all day long. Right. So it was like, for me, it was more like this and there's always reasons, but I deserve it, you know, or, I'm giving so much. I'm just going to relax. Right. It's only whatever, you know, and still going to work, never going, you know, never going to work, drinking during the day or any of those things. So always had these parameters, but yeah, it just becomes that inner conflict and to be aligned with my inner self, to have, to to be the best version of me. That's it. To be the best version of me. I know that alcohol is not in the equation. And, you know, people still ask me today, you know, is it forever? You know, and I go, it's today. You know, I still don't want to say, I mean, I, I know intuitively, right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's that just for today, be present, right. The whole meditation and the mindful, this is all part of the work, right. So, yeah, 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 I love it. It's paying attention. It's simply paying attention attention and you're doing that and staying mindful instead of pouring alcohol on it and being mindless. And um, so many of my clients are super high achieving professional women. So they, they too struggle with this because they don't want to admit defeat to alcohol. Let's say like, they want to be able to like, um, tame this dragon, right. Or project manage this issue. Like they do everything else in their life and they run circles around their partners and around and at work and at home and at the gym and everything they're doing, they're absolute stars. And so they're like, why can't I figure this one out? Right. And it's like, because alcohol is an addictive substance, so you wouldn't be able to project manage it like anything else. And the best, I mean, it's such freedom to get rid of it, but the fear is the craziest thing is that alcohol is a drug. We call it alcohol and drugs, but the truth is alcohol is a drug and it's one of the most harmful drugs out there. It has all the chemical properties of a drug that creates addiction and is a a toxin for the body. But and the harm that it creates is wor- is on a harm scale and it's worse than nicotine or cocaine. You know, it's again, not sold that way, but the harm to the user 
and the people in the user's life is, it, it, it's the top, right? It's the most harmful. But in our society, you only have a problem with alcohol when you stop taking it. That's when we label somebody. That's when we give somebody a label. So again, and a label of like an alcoholic was something I didn't want. I don't think that defines me at all. I think I'm a mother. I think I'm a business owner. I think I'm a yogi. I'm a spiritual person. I'm a wife. I'm a class clown. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not an alcoholic, right? And so I didn't want that label. And if I quit drinking, I would get that label. If I would somehow manage drinking, I would never get that label, right? So, but that's, that's society's view. And so, but a lot of women, like you were just describing yourself, come to me and the fear of that or the fear of what others are going to think and how to say I'm not drinking right now to somebody else stops them, prevents them from addressing it. And so I do this exercise where I walk them through and say, if somebody, well, let's say it's true. Let's say you're an alcoholic. Let's say you're a raging alcoholic. Let's just go worst case scenario. Let's say you are, you have such an alcohol problem, right? It's, it is bad. It is a major health problem and you are addicted. Worst case scenario. What would you do about it? Right. And they're like, well, I'm addressing it. And doesn't that make you a freaking hero? Right. And like, what do you think about me? Because typically people admire me. They're like, oh, you've ditched the drink. You're happy. You're good. Life is great. And I'm like, what do you think about me? And they're like, I think you're awesome. And I'm like, then you can think that about yourself too. Right. If you can see that piece of me, you can see that piece in you. So even if it's the worst case scenario, which it isn't for my clients, right? Because you would need more support than a sober coach if you were in that dire situation. But even in the worst case scenario, if you had the worst problem, the best thing to do is address it. And you have the strength and the courage. That means you're brave. That doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. That means you're very courageous, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just, you know, it's so interesting because as you're, as you're speaking, it's that it's also how we romanticize alcohol, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, I went to the sunset with my glass of wine, right? Or, you know, everything's very romanticized. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there was, there's just so much, there's so much we could talk about, but even like, you know, I'm not going to be fun. People are going to think I'm boring. People are going to pity me. Oh, poor you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry. It's like, are they really thinking that? I don't know. Maybe I've made that up. Maybe they are, but then who cares? Cause I feel great. You know? So it's all yeah. this, you know, I think as I'm hitting this, like six, my mind has changed so dramatically, you know, and within the six months and I've tried to do this before, but there, there is a, something kind of clicks, like it's a clickable yeah. thing. Um, I always said, like, I went to bed one day and I thought, is this maybe what spontaneous sobriety is like? Because it it literally been praying to my angels and my guides, like, take this away from, you know, take this desire away from me. And then mm-hmm. clearly I had to do the action, but right. it, it feels not that it's not challenging, but it feels mm-hmm. very different. It's like, I see it from a different lens. It's, it's interesting, yeah. but, um, but the whole, like, will I be fun? Will people pity me? Right. And, and that's what I love what you're doing. So that's what I want to, I want the listeners to hear. So now you are a sober coach helping so many women. So how did you, how did you get there from that last drink that you had in 2018? What made you say, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do. 
Yeah, I love it. So um, I was between jobs at that time. I put that drink down and I did not know what I was going to do, but I had some free time. So I started putting together all the resource that all the resources that I use in ditching the drink. And I created a digital class. It's still, it's still there. It's called Jumpstart. It's six weeks long. There's a video lesson every day. So there's 42 video lessons that are like five to 10 minutes long and then tons and tons of resources. And you can, um, if you want to like do it on your own, I was very private about it myself for all the reasons we talked about. So here's just like a little secret guide to help you along your way. So I was interviewing for these jobs and I was about to get offers because of course I was qualified because I had done a good job in the past. And I just looked at my husband and I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't go back to those same jobs. I'm sober now. Those were soul sucking. And I'm not somebody who can pour alcohol and ignore the fact that this isn't right for me. He's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to help women quit drinking. Women like me, you know, high achieving women in this gray area drinking situation. And he was like, wow, okay, well, you think you can make this much money at it? I said, I really have no idea. <laughs> I love a man. I love a man for all those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could make a $1, but let's start. So, and first I had to pay money because I had to get a website and all this stuff. So anyways, I started, my mom signed up as my first student in my first class. So that. that was pretty cute. And I had some, another mother daughter, um, duo that was in there and it was really good and it got really good feedback. So from there, the opportunities just continued and I made an Instagram account and I made a name for myself and I got a company and I, um, then was presented with an opportunity to become a certified professional recovery coach and a certified professional life coach. I had taken a coaching certification on law of attraction, and it might be important to note that my bachelor's degree is in social work. So being of service and helping others, um, having a very high Enneagram too, along with <laughs> one in three high achieving perfectionist helper, um, it, and being the social work heart, it very much was like what I was always meant to do. So in that bonus room where I was supposed to be drinking closet, I got a little desk and I started getting one-on-one -on -one clients and I started helping them through their sober journey. But the coolest thing happened, Tina, I one day was there working and all of a sudden this memory came to me. When I was in third grade, I was in, I started a, a company, I'm saying that in air quotes, in my closet. And the company was called Dare to Dream. And what the company was, was a journal to help people live their best lives. But I only had one client and that was my cat. So I said, I was in the business of helping cats live their best life through journaling. But all of a sudden I was like, I wanted to have a business where I worked out of my closet called Dare to Dream. I have a business called Ditch the Drink, DTD, literally the same from my closet and I'm in my forties. I'm an actual grown up now. I was like, wow. this is making all my little girl dreams come true. So anyways, ditch the drink has grown. I have many clients now. I have a community membership. I recruit coaches, people that want to become coaches. I mentor them. I have a course to teach them how to launch a business. I've upgraded to the guest out of the closet and into the guest room. And so um, <laughs> it's been an awesome, awesome journey. And I've got to help a lot of women, a lot of women through this 
very murky, confusing beginning of ditching the drink. And I will say, if anyone's interested, you can start before you're ready and you can start without knowing the ending, right? Mm. So like my first sober experiment was supposed to be for a hundred days and I made it to day 70 and I thought I was cured. I thought that was perfect. And so I always say like, that was the best fail of my life because those 70 days planted a seed for me. I started to feel proud of myself when my head hit the pillow at night. And I started to feel proud of myself and look, started to look forward to my days. The days that I was dragging myself through, punching myself in the face all day. I like started, it's planted a seed of this relationship with myself. So even though I never made it to a hundred days, which was the goal, the seed was planted. And then I would go back and forth, back and forth before my ultimate setting the glass down. And I didn't know that was going to be my last day one forever. I'm over five years sober now. Thank you very much. And I didn't know that. Really. I didn't know that would be any different than any other time. Right. But I knew I had to give it a really good try. Right. And I knew that if I couldn't do this, I needed to, I needed to throw the kitchen sink at it. And I was willing to get any resource I could to stop because continuing drinking wasn't going to be an option for me. And I thought the problem maybe was my marriage. And I thought, I can't keep drinking in this marriage and I can't keep drinking if this marriage doesn't work. Either way, I don't see a future for me if I keep drinking the way that it's escalating so quickly at the end, right? Like it's getting, the train is moving pretty and it is an elevator that only goes down. And it was, it was fearing like I was headed to the point of no return. Right, right. So even though I was a high achieving, great area drinker, high bottom, nothing tragic happened, it would have killed me. Honestly, I know that. I know that in my heart of hearts, if I, it would be the end of me somehow, somehow, I would fall down the stairs or I would get a diagnosis or something. So I'm so thrilled to not be on that path anymore. And I'll tell you this, in my journal, um, when I was 21 years old, the legal drinking age, I was afraid that I was an alcoholic and it would be wow. 21 years later before I actually quit drinking. Wow. So it can be um, a long process. For yeah. People. It was me. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I just can see I'm such a, a visual as someone speaking and I can just see you as a little girl in the closet um, at the desk and doing your, you know, your little business. And then even with the same, like, you know, the D for ditch the drink and the dreams. Right. And that right mm -hmm. there is like an intuitive, like, aha, right. It was like a I forefront of knowing a little dare to dream notebook that I wrote dare to dream on. I have it. <laughs> it's, 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 I want to say it's crazy, but it's not crazy because it's absolutely divine timing and perfect. Right. But I, I love that story. Well, we're so glad that you did listen to that little girl and that you listened to that, 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 that voice and, and you're doing all that because there's, there's so many women that you're helping today and you're going to continue to help and you're going to pay it forward with your coaching program and your communities and your fellowship. And I'm excited to be part of your community. It's the first community and the one I was actually searching for as well. And, mm -hmm. and before I'm going to put everything in the show notes, of course, but where would you like, you know, where can you direct everybody to find you? Where do you hang out? I know Instagram's your jam, but you know, yeah. where can everybody find you? Yeah. Um, you know, Instagram I'm on and I'm off, I'm hot and I'm cold and all that, but yeah, definitely a lot out there. Find it to the drink, but go to my website because there's a lot of 
insider information, no pun intended, that insider is the name of my um, community, but there's inside information on my website. I have a free Sober Secrets Guide and a, co and a little video. So that's a great place to start if you're getting curious. I do a weekly newsletter. So there's tons of resources in there and that's free for everybody. Um, I, I love to write, so I have a blog and I started my journey drinking and reading people's not drinking blogs at night. <laughs> so it's okay to have one foot in both worlds and that's how you get curious. So you can do a deep dive into my blog, tons of information there. Join the community. I'm so happy to have you part. Tina, you, like many of us, you get, you're get you a teacher and a student and I'm a teacher and a student in this community. So we come together as women to support one another, right? There's no hierarchy about who's who. It's just a belonging of, of women gathering together. So that is... It's really beautiful if anyone's interested in becoming a coach or learning about the coaching industry or anything like that or starting their own coaching business I've been able to help others in that way too so I welcome I welcome all of it oh I'm also on Pinterest I'm on LinkedIn I'm on Facebook ditch the drink everything's ditch the drink I love it nice and easy well I could literally speak to you for a very long time, hours and hours. But I, I know that this is such a valuable conversation and I know everybody will really love it. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you're doing in this world and listening to your inner self. And um, there's so many wonderful things ahead. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Tina. I appreciate it. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.